scripture is filled with imagery and metaphor, and today's readings are no exception. In our gospel reading, we see Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. I imagine the disciples watching Jesus pray and like apprentices observing their master, they ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus gives them a quick example, which I'm sure many of you recognize as the Lord's Prayer, very similar to the version given to us in the Gospel of Matthew. But Jesus doesn't stop there, just giving an example. Jesus continues teaching by telling a story. These stories are often referred to as parables, and they are supposed to teach their hearers a lesson. The word parable literally means to lay alongside. It's like laying an item out on a table to examine it closely, and then laying another item alongside it to compare the two. So sometimes the message of the parable comes from illustrating the similarities between the two things. Other times, the parables teach by highlighting the differences. This parable does a little bit of both. The disciples want to learn to pray like Jesus. So Jesus lays alongside his own demonstration of prayer, a made-up scene, based on the, cult, the disciples' cultural experience around hospitality, generosity, and compassion. He taught in a way that would connect with their daily lives. In Jesus' time, it was common for people to travel in the evenings to avoid walking in the midday sun. Hospitality was a sacred duty in their culture, and hosts were expected to provide abundantly for their guests, not out of mere sufficiency. In those days, bread was made daily in the home, making only enough to meet the needs of one day, since any leftover bread would become stale. It was also common in ancient Palestine for homes to be made up of one room where the whole family slept together. They would often lay close to one another for warmth, not on raised beds, but on sleeping mats on the floor. Further, it was custom to bring certain livestock, like chicken and goats, into the house at night. So knocking at the door would certainly be an unwanted disruption, since everyone in the house would be woken up by the sound. For one person to get up and move around the crowded room, first to retrieve the bread and eventually bring it to the door, would be both difficult and chaotic. For the family man in this story, the inconvenience is simply not worth it. But ultimately, because of the persistent knocking, he finds the easiest way to end this disruption and get back to sleeping peacefully is just to get up and help his friend. The Greek word in this text that gets translated as persistence can also mean shamelessness or boldness without modesty. This verse is the only time in the Bible that that word is used. And so I wonder what Jesus is trying to say about the posture we should take in prayer. Jesus asks his disciples to put themselves in the host's shoes, to imagine that they are the ones 
in need of the generous help of a friend to fulfill their sacred duty of hospitality. Notice how the host's petition is not self-serving. The gift will enable him to be generous, caring for the needs of another. I also find it interesting that Jesus has just taught his disciples to pray for their daily bread. But in this instance, their daily bread was not enough. This seems to be a unique situation which requires asking for more than the day-to-day -day blessings that God has already provided. Well, the last few verses of our gospel reading transition from a parable format to something closer to wisdom sayings, which are short maxims that are easier to remember. I want us to pay special attention to the last verse, which in my summary goes something like, if you then, even in your fallen state, know how to give good gifts, to be generous, to show compassion to those in need, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is where the parable is useful by contrast. If even a mere human being can be coaxed into unwilling compassion, imagine how great the Lord's compassion and generosity is toward those who ask. If a sleeping person will reluctantly wake up to answer a friend in need, how much more will the Lord, who never sleeps, hear and answer our prayers? So what does this ancient story have to do with us? First, we see in this passage Jesus meeting his disciples where they are teaching them in ways that they can understand. Jesus looks around at his cultural surroundings and witnesses to the goodness of God present even in the most mundane earthly circumstances. We too can look for God's presence in our everyday lives. We can discover God in our homes, in our families, in our neighborhood and in our friends. And sometimes, being a witness to God's presence in the world is much simpler than we make it out to be. You don't have to teach a Sunday school class or preach a sermon or write a book about God if that's not what God has called you to do. But God and the church has charged each one of us who are baptized to be ministers or servants of God in some way. We are all called to be God's witnesses, even and perhaps especially in the ordinary moments of our lives. But how do we do that? Our gospel reading tells us that everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. The Venerable Bede, who's a historian in the early church, explains that verse a little bit further by applying it to the larger Christian life rather than just our time spent in prayer. He teaches we are to ask by praying, seek by living properly, and knock by persevering in our faith. So I want to unpack that quote just for a moment. Bede's first point is to ask by praying. So one way we can be faithful witnesses 
is by being joyful and persistent in asking God for all that we need, rather than presuming that we can provide for ourselves. We are not alone in this life. It's okay to ask for help. In fact, it's healthy, healthy to rely on others. In general, asking for help fosters a sense of community and strengthens our relational bonds to one another. How much more will, depending on God, bring us closer to him? Historian Bede's second point is to seek by living properly. Now, there can be a hundred interpretations of what it means to live properly. And I do not claim to know the specifics of how each person should live in their unique circumstances. But there are some reoccurring themes in the Bible that I believe we can confidently commit to in our own lives. These are themes I'm sure you're already aware of, such as seeking justice, being fair, telling the truth, loving others sacrificially, giving of ourselves for the sake of others. Luke's gospel promises that if we seek the kingdom of God with our lives, we will surely find it. Bede also instructs us to knock by persevering in our faith. The longer I live, the more I realize how hard perseverance can truly be. It could be persevering through physical pain or exhaustion, financial hardship, a strained relationship, or fear about the future. If I can be honest with you for a moment, and maybe some of you feel this way too, it can be hard to persevere in our faith when, at least for me, I just can't see where God is working. Jesus tells his disciples that prayer is like knocking shamelessly on our neighbor's door at night to ask for help. But to me, it does not always seem that straightforward. I cannot hear the audible voice of my friend calling out from inside the home, nor can I physically watch as the door creaks open in the dark. I cannot feel the texture of the bread being mercifully placed into my hands, nor can I taste the fruits of my relentless knocking. What happens when our prayers go unanswered? Or seem to go unanswered? How do we persevere in our faith? I think as hard as it may be, the best way to move forward is to keep knocking. Jesus tells us that we can be shameless about our persistence, even when our faith might seem foolish. I choose to believe, even when I do not necessarily have proof, that our God is a loving God who is happy to give us what we ask for. God goes far above and beyond the friend in the parable who grumbles, about, grumbles to get out of bed and answer the door. Even so, at times, we do still have to wait to see or understand how our prayers have been answered. When I'm in that waiting period, I find it helpful to look back over my life and remember the times that I have witnessed God's faithfulness. When the fog has settled enough to recognize that, ah, yes, God was working in my circumstances the whole time, even when it didn't feel like it. Sometimes that fog settles days, 
months, even years later. And sometimes the answers to our prayers will continue to be shrouded in mystery on this side of heaven. I want to point out one last incredible aspect of this passage. The most prized gift that's named in these verses is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The foremost thing that God desires to give us is a gift that will enable us to receive more gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us the patience we need to rely on God and the wisdom to recognize the good things in our lives as gifts from God. The Holy Spirit helps us know what to ask for in prayer, helps us discern good and proper ways to seek God with our lives. And lastly, the gift of the Holy Spirit enables us to be faithful, believing in God even when we cannot see for ourselves. Our God is abounding in mercy and demonstrates incomparable generosity. God meets us where we are and reaches into the most ordinary moments of our lives. The Lord is attentive to our asking, our seeking, our knocking. God promises to give us good gifts if we are bold enough to ask and keep asking. Amen.